Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. For Wolverine fans from coast to coast, go blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. The college playoffs are set, minus the Buckeyes, and we know where we're going bowling. In the coming weeks, we'll start previewing the Outback Bowl and our opponent, South Carolina. This week, we're taking a break from football. Basketball season is well underway, and it's time to start paying attention to Coach Beeline and his team. Our guest on this week's game day segment will be beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Now, James and I recorded this week's interview just before Monday night's game at Ohio State, where we blew a 20-point lead and fell to the Buckeyes 71-62. This was a road game that was there for the taking, but Michigan came unraveled in the second half and could not take advantage of that great start. And these are the kind of losses that can haunt you later in the season. You just can't blow leads like this, but I have a feeling Coach John Beeline will build on that game. At any rate, James will join us after a quick look at news and notes of interest to you this week. On Sunday night, Mark D'Antonio said all the Spartans could do was play in the Holiday Bowl and that the records were what they were, and he would continue to focus on beating Michigan. He was clearly frustrated by the fact the Spartans were passed over by the Outback for a team they had beaten and had a better record than. On Monday, Jim Harbaugh responded to that tweet, You've no doubt seen it by now. And then Coach D'Antonio responded with his quote to Spartan fans, It's not over, it will never be over, and it's just getting started. We all know what prompted that D'Antonio zinger. So as Angelique Shingelis said last night, the gloves are off, and the hype begins for next fall's meeting in East Lansing on October 20th. So stay tuned. Something tells me this one is not over for Jim Harbaugh yet either. For the third straight year under Coach Harbaugh, we are headed to Florida. On Sunday, we accepted an invitation to the Outback Bowl on January 1st against South Carolina. It will be a noon kickoff. As I mentioned a moment ago, we'll have more bowl talk in the coming weeks. Brandon Peters has cleared concussion protocol and is expected to be the starter in that game. Tariq Black will be taking part in practice, but is not expected to play. Last week, the team had three practices. On Sunday, Jim Harbaugh said they didn't take the week off after the Ohio State game because they need to work and get better. He said right now this team is not good enough to win all its games and needs to be mentally tougher and much more technically sound. He said that begins now with preparation for the Outback Bowl. Last season, Michigan basketball took us on a joyride from mid-February until they were knocked out of the NCAA tournament. John Beeline turned in one of his best coaching performances, and the stretch run last March is one we will never forget. This season, we're not sure what to expect. Mo Wagner is back, and a handful of other players, but this is a very different team, one that is under construction. Once again, we're not sure what to expect, but one thing we can be certain of, by March, Coach B will have this team playing at its best. They might drive us crazy between now and then like they did last night in Columbus, but if you've seen them in action so far, you know we have a lot of young talent to be excited about. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News joins me next with his early season thoughts on this team. Here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. With us 
Sun, the game day edition of our show this week is Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. And yes, football season is almost over, so it's time to turn our attention to basketball. A lot of good action uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season, James, but welcome to the show. Uh, Good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, as we said, James, uh, we're recording this show before the Ohio State game on Monday, so we'll know the results by the time this show airs. So today what I wanted to really do is a an overview of the season so far and get your thoughts on this team. And let's start with Saturday's Big Ten opener, a win over Indiana. Really a nice bounce back win after that North Carolina loss, James. Yeah, I think that was a, a big thing to see kind of how, how the team responded. Um, you know, you could maybe, especially with a young team like this, they could maybe let a loss like that kind of fester because, I mean, they got off to a, a hot start in that game. It was like shot for shot, I mean, but they made eight straight shots and then you look up at the scoreboard and they're only leading by two, even after making eight straight. Um, so you had to wonder if that was going to, you know, maybe negatively affect uh, the team because Mo Wagner after that game kind of said like, you know, they kind of put their head down and they, uh, they kind of just backed down after, you know, they kind of took that punch and they, you know, hung their heads and it was just interesting to see how they responded. So yeah, it was, it was good to see how they, you know, responded against uh, Indiana. You know, they came out with that hot start, you know, knocking down, four threes to jump out to an early lead and then, you know, took that 16-2 lead. But then when Indiana kind of made that comeback and they cut it to five in the second half, it's one of those things where you could maybe see a team, uh, you know, fold or, you know, kind of feel that pressure. But I mean, they, they came right back and they scored eight straight to uh, kind of put that game away. So I think, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a pretty reassuring sign, especially coming off a loss like that where they kind of got their teeth kicked in a little bit in North Carolina. But, you know, to come back and kind of handle uh, Indiana in a, in a Big Ten game to kind of get off to an, an important uh, 1-0 start in Big Ten play. And it was a red-hot start, and for young Jordan Poole, quite a coming-out party. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his stats uh, heading into that game, I mean, he didn't play in two of the eight games up to that point, and then he only made nine shots in six games and only had 27 points, and then, you know, in one game he makes seven shots, five threes, and leaves the team with 19 points, but uh, you know, I think it's a good sign. I mean, obviously, we all know that John Beeline loves shooters. Um, but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't trying to do too much. I mean, it was just a lot of a lot of ball movement. I mean, his first uh, first shot was like you know Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman just making an extra pass to get him wide open. Um, so yeah, he wasn't he was just uh, you know just doing what he was in there to do. Just had the green light, and whenever he gets a open look to shoot it, and I mean, he wasn't shy about shooting it. I mean, he led the team in shots uh, shots in that game against Indiana, but. I mean, it is, it is a good sign, especially for a team that's still trying to find its rotation outside of its, uh, its starting lineup to kind of find out who are going to be that, that you know, that sixth, seventh, eighth guy kind of off the bench. So I think, you know, uh, Jordan Poole is kind of making his case. And, and and especially, I mean, it's especially an encouraging sign coming against a, you know, a Big Ten team, Indiana, you know, as opposed to maybe a non-conference team like North Florida or Southern Miss, you know, a team that maybe – not as, as again, that's maybe not as competitive as a as a Big Ten game. But yeah, it's definitely an encouraging sign, you know, seeing these young guys kind of step up and uh, kind of rise to the occasion like uh, Jordan Poole did against Indiana. Well, Eli Brooks got his fifth straight start at the uh, point, and he's surprised me so far, James. He looks smooth, he's taking care of the basketball, no turnovers, I believe, on Saturday. He looks pretty darn good, doesn't he? Yeah, I think smooth is a pretty uh, is a pretty good word for him. And yeah, and Saturday he had six assists, no turnovers, which is always a uh, always a good sign. But yeah, I think, I mean, Dion talks about it too. I mean, just when Eli is is at the point guard, you know, he's out there on the floor, it just seems like everything just flows a lot better. The ball just 
just keeps keeps spinning, keeps spinning. You know, they keep passing it around until you get an open look, and that's something Eli has uh, said himself. He, you know, the more rotations you get, the more likely you are to get an open shot. And that was kind of something you saw against the Indiana game. I mean, their passing was a uh, pretty well. I mean, they kept they kept swinging the ball around and getting really good looks. Um, and I mean, if you just look at the other two point guard spots, I mean, with uh, Xavier Simpson and John Simmons, uh, Xavier, um, I mean, he just really doesn't look too much confident in his shot. He looks very hesitant. And uh, Beeline kind of said for him, the whole thing right now is just to, I mean, if you're not open to swing the ball and if you're open to shoot it, and then I'll just play lockdown defense. But I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of taken on this like, you know, tum tum type type of role with uh, Michigan State where, you know, I don't know. He just maybe seems like an offensive liability at this point. Where, because like I said, he just doesn't seem very confident in his uh in his ability to shoot the ball right now. And then Jaron Simmons, Beeline said he's just struggling in all phases, and and uh, he he even didn't play in the Indiana game. Um, that's his first first game of the season where he hasn't received any playing time. But I mean, we'll see. I think the point guard position right now is obviously going to be one of these uh things to monitor as the season progresses. But um. Right now, yeah, it just seems like Eli Brooks is, you know, he's just making the best of the situation right now. And it, it does, like, the offense just does seem to operate uh, much better, much smoother when uh, he's, he's there at the point. Maybe it's just me, but he has a very quick first step to the hole when he decides to go. Yeah, yeah, he's explosive. I mean, he's been kind of trying to pick, uh, you know, pick Xavier's, Xavier and uh, Jaron's brains, you know, trying to pick up from them. But yeah, he does. I mean, he has a that's a good thing. Like that's the one thing that makes Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman so good is that he gets that quick first step. And I mean, if you can drive, you can kind of help collapse that defense, and then you'll kick out. Um, that always helps open up shots. But yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys shown uh, you know, he's shown some good flashes, and he's he has that, you know, where he can. He's done that a few times this season where he's you know beating his guy off the dribble, and then you know just kicked out for the open shot. So that's always a good thing to, to see. And he also has a pretty high IQ, you know, for a for a young guy. That's something that his teammates have uh, have raved about too. Well, another pleasant surprise for me so far has been the play of big man John Teske. He's a, a true center, and it looks like he has really improved his game in all phases, James. Yeah, last season, John, his big thing was his confidence. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, you can go back to the, the game against Wisconsin where he came in for that one stint against Ethan Happ uh, when <laughs> Mo Wagner got in uh, foul trouble. And it was, like, uh, it was just a brutal 90-second stretch where he uh, fouled Hap, and then he gave up two free throws, and then he turned the ball over on the other end, and then Hap ran down for a dunk. And I think Michigan had like a six-point lead at that point, and then it, it was evaporated within the blink of an eye. But um, he hasn't had anything like that this season. Yeah, he just seems – that's something he's talked about is just his confidence was the biggest thing for him. And, you know, he was kind of just learning how to, you know, play in the Big Ten. I mean, he was a freshman. You know, he may might have maybe been a little overwhelmed, but uh, now he's, he's more confident and he's uh, – you know, we saw flashes, you know, two games of the season where he's come off the bench and really provided a big spark when they needed it. Um, you know, the one game he had a double-double right off the bench. I think he had like 10 points, 11 rebounds in like 14 minutes or something like that. But, yeah, they've had they've had encouraging signs, you know, um, from a lot of their young guys. Like we said, Jordan Poole, you know, the freshman, John Teske. He's one of those guys, Eli Brooks, another freshman. Um, so they've, they've all had, you know, they got these young guys, you know, starting to step up. And, I mean, it, it is an encouraging sign, especially with John since we, obviously we know there's no no more Mark Denell and no more DJ Wilson, so that you know John has to be this guy that uh, backs up Mo off the bench, you know the first guy big man off the bench, and 
Yeah, he's shown some he's shown some good signs so far. Well, one of the things I know that drives Coach B a little bit nuts with John is uh, how he picks up those ticky tack fouls uh, pretty quickly. That's one thing he's got to work on. Yeah, that's that was that was one thing that uh, Mo Wagner kind of struggled with too last year, um, picking up those two quick fouls or those just those you know those fouls that you can't really afford to get. You know, just maybe something like putting your hand on a guy's hip or you know just like or committing a foul away from the basket. Um, I mean, yeah, those are things they got to cut down on, but I mean, most, most doing a better job this season of, uh, you know, not picking up foul trouble. So, I mean, it's, I think if that's like Teske picking up, you know, quick fouls, I mean, that's probably a bigger problem than Mo's doing the same thing too. But I mean, Mo hasn't been really getting into foul trouble too much, so it hasn't really, uh, been a problem so far, but yeah, that's definitely something, you know, picking up these, uh, tiki tack fouls is something that will never, uh, Please be on. And as you mentioned, uh, Mo Wagner uh, played a really nice defensive game, and he really is staying away from foul trouble much better this year. 13 points on Saturday, played solid D, as I mentioned, hit the boards. What do you think of his play so far this year? Yeah, I think Mo, I mean, he maybe had a, a slower start than maybe some people were expecting, I think, because Charles Matthews kind of stole the show early on. But uh, Mo has been very, I mean, he's still been productive. I mean, he already has more double doubles this season than he had all last year. I think he only had one double double last season. I think he already has three this season. Um, but I think the biggest thing that stands out to me with Mo is his rebounding. Cause I mean, if you look at last season, I think he was maybe like fourth or fifth on the team in total rebounds. And, um, and I, and I mean, this season he's, he's already leading, he's already like the leading rebounder by a pretty significant margin. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest Thing I've seen that I mean that's something they needed I mean they needed a Mo to become a better rebounder obviously because they lost DJ they lost Derek Walton they lost Zach Irvin I mean those guys were I think there's three top rebounders um but yeah he's 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 shown you know he's he's stepped up and he's taken on like more of a scoring role and he's he's had a, a lot of solid games so far and obviously the and we know he loves the big stage obviously from the NCAA tournament last season against Louisville and you know the Minnesota first half in the Big Ten tournament and and you saw it. Uh, you saw it against North Carolina too, where he was really the one guy, I guess, that was really stepping up. And he didn't, you know, he didn't really, really, really receive much help in that game. Um, aside from Charles Matthews, you know, he got off to a hot start. But I mean, that's the one thing about Mo. I mean, you know, he's he's really going to rise to the occasion, especially uh, in those big time games. Well, Charles Matthews, we didn't see a lot of him Saturday because of the early foul trouble. But so far this year, I, I guess most Michigan fans didn't know what to expect from Charles Matthews. We knew uh, that he was a highly regarded player, but he is the leading scorer on the team right now. Have you been surprised by his game? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we knew much what to expect. I mean, um, us media, we, we're not allowed to really watch practice at all so we didn't get to see anything that was going on behind the scenes how how he looked you know on the floor and, and all that we had to wait to see him on the court just like uh you know the fans and everyone else but yeah i you can definitely talk him up as a as much as a pleasant surprise for this team um the one thing that really stands out to me with charles is uh i mean he's, he's really athletic but the thing that he does a lot is he loves that that kind of that mid-range jumper where he can either do like the the turnaround jumper or the follow-away jumper and that's you know that's one thing that uh I guess, you know, it's kind of fading away from teams. I mean, I don't know. A lot of teams don't really go to a mid-range game, but that's the one thing that he really has. And he's a, he's a strong rebounder, too. And, you know, he's athletic out there. Um, you know, he can guard multiple positions. But, yeah, he's definitely kind of proven so far that he's kind of a, the real deal. Although, he, you know, he, he's kind of – he had, like, the hot start against North Carolina, but then he kind of trailed off. And then, like you said, against Indiana, he got into that solid trouble, so he really didn't do much that game. But, 
I mean, early on, you know, he was he was really stealing the show, and I think he's pretty shown that, yeah, he's a real deal for uh, Michigan so far. And so far, we haven't seen Michigan have Wagner and Teske on the floor at the same time, and I know that's not something that Coach Beeline wants to do, but it sounded like after the game uh, Saturday against Indiana, he's not ruling that out, is he, James? No, that's something that's come up uh, a few times. It's something I get uh, emailed about a lot. Um is using this big lineup, obviously, with uh, Teske at the five, then uh, Mo Wagner at the four, and then you keep uh, Charles Matthews at the three, then Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman at the two, and then Eli at the one. Um, but Beeline said, uh, I mean, he he hasn't ruled it out, but he just said it's highly unlikely just because of the fact that most teams don't play big like that anymore. I think, you know, most teams are more going small and everyone's spreading out the floor and, and, and shooting it. Um, so that's just something that would depend on, on the matchup, I guess, who they're going against. Um, but because we all know that Beeline obviously loves to have, you know, five shooters on the floor and that's what he had all last season, obviously with, with DJ at the four, who was the guy who could shoot the three and then Mo, who could obviously shoot the three as well, but he didn't rule out the, uh, the possibility. He kind of touched on it, um, after the game against, uh, Indiana on Saturday that, um, Michigan went small at a certain point where they just had, you know, Mo at the five and then they had, um, you know, four guards on the floor and he was talking about moving forward, how he's trying to get Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews on the floor at the same time. So that could possibly mean, you know, having Eli, Eli at the one, um, Muhammad at the two, then putting Jordan at the three, um, and moving Charles to the four and having Mo at the five. Um, so I think they might be more, more likely to do that. Like, you know, go small, I guess, since most teams kind of play that way nowadays, we may have a, you know, maybe a slipper, a better chance, I guess, of seeing that on the floor than we would have seen two big men. But, I mean, he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't kind of ruled out that possibility. It just really depends on how the, how the opposing team is playing and, I guess, what the, what the matchup is. Well, Abdur Rahman played a great defense on Saturday, had 11 boards, very nice game. To me, James, he's kind of that quiet contributor on this team. People don't talk about him that much, but he is a grit player that does a lot of things, doesn't he? No, yeah, I think that was, you could, you could say that was the same case last year. I mean, he was really the you know, the the most, the more unheralded guy on the team. I mean, because obviously, you know, Derek, Zach, DJ, and Mo, they all had kind of big games at certain points, but Muhammad never really had that game. And uh, this season, I mean, I guess you can make a case that he could be the X factor in a certain, you know, to an extent for this team. But yeah, he's just a guy who just, uh, he just kind of does his job. I mean, he doesn't really care about the spotlight or nothing. Um, I mean, I guess you could consider him a glue guy, but I mean, he just does, he just does, um, you know, all the little things. I mean, like you said, he, he locked down Robert Johnson, I mean, against Indiana on, uh, on Saturday. And that was, that was one of the reasons why Beeline um, said he didn't want to get John Simmons in the game. He didn't want to, you know, put him in and then put Eli at the two just because Muhammad was just playing so well on defense. And it was, it was also a, a good bounce back game for him because against, against North Carolina, he struggled. And he even told another reporter that, you know, he, he thought he should have been, he didn't play the final 10 minutes of that game. He, he watched from the bench and, he talked about how he he thought he should have been benched a lot sooner than that, just because you know he really wasn't doing much to stop uh stop them from scoring. But yeah, I think he's he's kind of like you know the he's more he's a, he's a laid back guy. He's more reserved, but he's definitely you know kind of that uh that uh quiet guy in the team. But he does he does everything. He kind of steps up and you know does all does all the little things that the team needs. With us this week on our game day segment is Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News, talking about the season to date and. As James and I mentioned at the top of the interview, we're playing Ohio State on Monday. So when this show hits, 
Uh, we're already going to know the results of that. But there's plenty to talk about here early in the season. And James, so far, Coach B has been using a lot of combinations. Do you see that continuing right through the month of December into the uh, continuation of Big Ten play? Yeah, I think he, he talked about earlier in the season how he would, he would have liked to have gotten his, his rotation and everything kind of set um, heading into December. Um, but that obviously hasn't been the case. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, he's definitely uh, been tinkering still. I mean, against North Carolina, you saw he used, he used 11 guys in the first half, which is something you don't see from a John Beeline teams. Um, Cause I mean, last season it was, he basically used just that eight, nine man rotation all season long. It was kind of, everyone knew their role. Um, everyone knew their place, but this season it's, it's definitely going to be something that's um, going to continue to be uh, worked on and tinkered um, throughout uh, throughout this month. And it's something that, yeah, he definitely wants to, to get short up as soon as possible. But um, I mean, there's plenty of factors that play. I mean, obviously there's the whole point guard position. Um, there's three guys, you know, Eli, Eli Brooks, John Simmons and Xavier Simpson are all battling for that. And he wants to get that down to just a two man rotation. And, you know, that's still, still something that hasn't been settled. Um, so that's something that still has to get, you know, worked out through the, uh, through this month and hopefully get figured out sooner than later. And then the rotation kind of who's going to be that, uh, you know, that six, seven days guy off the bench. Um, you know, Jordan Poole obviously, you know, made his case in the game against uh, Indiana with the 19 points, uh, maybe being that, you know, that first wing off the bench. Um, but Beeline said he's more focused on him just playing at the three instead of, you know, doing the, the playing at the two and three right now, just trying to learn one position. And then obviously we know that John Teske is kind of the first guy off the, the first big man off the bench. And then, you know, you got Isaiah Livers, you got, um, Ibby Watson, you know, Austin Davis. So kind of got all these guys kind of battling, um, for the, for this playing time. And it, it could just be a case, you know, moving forward, uh, beyond said, you know, I mean, whoever plays one practices, the one who gets playing time. So that might just be something that he uses as the season continues to progress or, but that's definitely something that, uh, that hopefully he has settled by the time that a uh, big 10 play, you know, picks back up, you know, on the, uh, I believe January 2nd at Iowa. You know, you just mentioned Austin Davis. That's a kid that a lot of people email me about and say, where is Austin Davis? Where is he in his progress? What have you heard about him? Yeah. Like I mentioned, like we don't, we unfortunately don't get to see practice. So it's kind of hard to give a very insightful answer as to why he's struggling, like why he's not playing or, you know, if he's struggling in practice. Um, cause last year we heard all about like Beeline raved all the time about his uh, rebounding, how he grabs everything and, you know, anything that's near him, he grabs in the paint and how he, uh, you know, he's proficient like in the paint around the rim, but you haven't, I mean, yeah, we just haven't seen him. I think it's Beeline just said flat out that it's just that Teske is just outperforming him in practice. And I mean, obviously he, you know, you might see Davis, um, you've seen Austin a few times and kind of, you know, mop up minutes where I think it's kind of been decided. Um, and I mean, you might seem like if Teske and Wagner are both in foul trouble, but I think it's just as simple as that John Teske is just, you know, outperforming him in practice. I mean, it's as simple as that. And Beeline mentioned uh, before the season, how Austin Davis was kind of his fundamentals weren't as, weren't as sound as he would like, because obviously last year he, he redshirted. So he was on the scout, scout team the entire time. So they weren't really, you know, working as closely with him since they know he wasn't, you know, going to be on the court. So, I mean, I can't, you know, unfortunately, it's not something that I can just sit there and give you a, a, a great, you know, a, a great insightful answer as to why he's not getting playing time. But I think it's just as simple as that John Teske is just the better option right now. And he's just performing better in practice and he's uh, reaping the benefits of it with the playing time. Well, James, another thing I hear from fans all the time is if Coach B's offense isn't raining threes, we're in trouble. 
because we have no real inside game. And there's no question it's a perimeter offense. But do you see that changing or evolving a bit more this year, especially if a, a John Teske comes along? Um, it could, but I mean, I just, I don't think so. I think, I mean, that's kind of how Beeline's system has always been. I mean, you look back at, you know, any team he's had in Michigan, his better teams are always, there's always these teams that can space the floor. And I think that, you know, that's why he's kind of mulling this decision to try to get Jordan Poole on the, in the lineup on, on the floor with Matthew, Matthews. Um, you know, he wants to get, that's why, I mean, you look at back at last year, that's why the team was, they, they started playing well. I mean, down the stretch, I mean, obviously they kind of got off to a rough start, but I mean, his best teams are ones that can sit there and space the floor, um, you know, just kind of knock down, knock down threes when they're open, you know, get open shots. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I just really don't see them turning into more of a, you know, you know, maybe maybe an inside-out team. I think they kind of, you know, if Mo gets going, you know, early on, he can help open up shots, you know. But as far as being a, a team that kind of runs through the post, you know, kind of runs through the big man, um, I, I just don't see that happening just because, I mean, we've seen from behind teams in the past, I mean, his teams are more teams that, you know, space it out and shoot it and, uh, you know, live and die by the three. And, I mean, they're not they're not as good of a, a shooting team this season um, that we've seen as, as compared to last year which is, uh, you know, maybe one reason why, you know, you might be getting, you know, people might be talking about it more just because they're not as good of a shooting team at this point. But I just don't see it that really changing. I think he's still going to be a team that, you know, feasts on perimeter shots and just ball movement and, uh, just, you know, working on the perimeter and getting open looks at the three. And I think that I think that works best, too, when you see them, when they get out in transition, when they're able to get the defensive rebound and just swing the ball up. And that's I think that's where they really thrive as an offense is when they're, they kind of don't get – stuck and settled in that half-court offense, which is when the ball has had time, you know, a tendency to stick, but when they kind of get out and run and they're able to get two guys running down to the wings, and that's how they kind of get those open threes, and I think that's where this team, you know, is kind of at its best. Well, the Big Ten got roughed up in the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, did that come as a surprise to you? I think it certainly came to a surprise to plenty of people. I don't think people expected them to kind of get taken to the woodshed like they did, but I think it, it just kind of shows, I guess, coming into the season, I mean, you might have thought of the strength of the Big Ten. I think it kind of maybe it was a wake-up call that maybe the Big Ten isn't going to be as, you know, strong as maybe people would have thought. I mean, because you look at it, I mean, you think, like, State is by far the cream of the crop, and then behind them um, is probably Minnesota. But then after them, it's, you know, it's kind of like after this early season, I mean, you can maybe say Purdue, but it's kind of really been a toss-up after that. I mean, it's really State's at the top, and then there's a gap, and then, I guess you could say Minnesota at this point is kind of the two, but then after that, it's kind of like who's, you know, it's really a, just a toss-up between the rest of the teams. Um, so I guess, I mean, it, it obviously doesn't help the the Big Ten. I mean, that's showing in the ACC a, a Big Ten tournament or challenge. Um, their case, I guess, you know, for looking ahead to March, I mean, I guess for, uh, you know, bids in the, in the NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, I guess you could, I mean, I've kind of been, you know, surprised, I guess, as to how, um, <laughs> how the Big Ten has gotten off to the start. I guess it's kind of been, you know, uh, you know, teams are kind of struggling that you wouldn't have had, have expect. But um, who knows? I mean, we'll see kind of what happens in Big Ten play. I guess you know, people, uh, you know, picking it up. But yeah, I, I just think that the Big Ten so far has shown that it's maybe not, um, 
going to be as strong a conference as maybe people would have thought heading into the season. Coach Raftery brought this up on the broadcast on Saturday in the Indiana game. He said, you know, Michigan State looks to him like a Final Four team right now. Uh, he really likes Purdue, and so do I. That that is that is probably the, well, it is the, the veteran team in the league with, I think, four senior starters. They've looked good so far. Minnesota, as you mentioned, should be very, very good. It's going to be a free-for-all after those three teams, James, but very, very young conference overall from top to bottom. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's yeah, that's probably, you know, one thing that you could, uh, you know, allude to. That's that's why teams are struggling. I think Northwestern brought back the majority of their guys that they have back, but they've had, they've had a couple, they've had one or two bad bosses so far, like at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got, yeah, I mean, uh, there's plenty of youth throughout the conference. Like Purdue, I mean, even, even, you know, they don't have Caleb Swan against they're replacing, you know, the big 10 player of the year. And, you know, there's plenty of teams. I mean, they're, they're losing, you know, or they're, they're having to replace, you know, their, their, their big players, their most productive players from last season, you know, Michigan. And that's, and that's like, obviously that's one thing, you know, with, uh, why some of these teams, you know, Michigan State, Purdue, Minnesota, that's kind of why they're, they're, they're you know, at the top right now. Because, I mean, Michigan State, they got just these guys making the leap from, you know, their freshman to sophomore year. They're just making that, that huge jump. And that's why they're doing so well. And then Purdue, like I said, I mean, they brought back, you know, they have, they have plenty of experience back. You know, they got the Edwards and they got the Edwards and Sias. They have uh, Haas still. They got plenty of plenty of their, their key guys from last season in Minnesota. They got all their all their main guys back. They got, you know. Yeah, Nate Mason, Amir Coffey, um, Reggie Lynch. I mean, they got they got all those guys back. But yeah, it's, I mean, the youth. I mean, that's that's probably what that's one thing you know that leads to early season struggles. You know, is you know kind of finding these new teams, getting their getting their feet wet, kind of you know find out what they're learning about their team, what they have. So we might see it. You know, back when Big Ten play picks up, you know, you might see teams you know kind of you know take off. I mean, as they you know learn more about their team. But but yeah, I think that's definitely you know you can look to youth throughout the conference as one season or as one reason why. It's kind of gone off to a rough, a rough start this season. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're recording this before the Ohio State game on Monday, so we'll know the results when this show publishes. Saturday, UCLA pays a visit to Chrysler later this month. There's a road game in Texas. Some really big tests left before January for this young team. Yeah, I think the, the UCLA game um, and Texas, you know, at Texas, I mean, those are probably two two games. I mean, you know, they... They unfortunately at the Maui uh, Invitational, they kind of fell to LSU in that first in that first game, so they didn't really get a chance to didn't get a crack at uh, Notre Dame when they were ranked um, to kind of you know pick up a signature win. So I mean that's one thing. I mean you could kind of look back on and and say like they don't really have a signature win in non conference play so far this season. Um, and then kind of uh, you know UCLA and Texas might it's kind of like they're they're obviously their best chance remaining to kind of pick up that signature win. So I mean those those two will be big you know good tests. I mean. We all know UCLA is kind of a off a big offensive team. You know they're gonna you know they're gonna run the floor and uh, light up the scoreboard kind of like they did last season in Texas. You know they they played they played a couple of teams pretty you know they took a couple of teams to the wire, a couple of ranked teams. So I mean that's gonna be another another stiff challenge. But that that would be a pretty that'd be a pretty impressive one for Michigan. I mean obviously last year we know that they struggled on the road. I don't think they won their first road game until February. Um, so if they could pick up a, a road win like that or, you know, the home win over UCLA, that would be a, you know, a big signature win for the team early on um, in that conference play. Because last year, I mean, they had that SMU win and that win um, just kept getting better throughout the season for them. Um, I guess you could say like their VCU win is okay at this point, but it's just one of those things where hopefully, you know, VCU kind of takes off and makes that win better. But 
I mean, you can just look at this, look at their wins right now, and you can't really point to, I guess, a, a signature win for this team in non-conference play. But definitely the UCLA and Texas games will be big tests, but those will also give them, you know, their best two chances left um, to pick up a signature win in non-conference play. Well, last question for you, James. You and I talked about this before we started recording, but a change this year in that the first two Big Ten games for everyone are in December, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But do you like that? I'm indifferent on it. I mean, I... I obviously don't play. I think it's I think it's a change for most fans. I mean, obviously you're used to Big Ten play starting at the, the end of December or the beginning of January. So, I mean, it's a little it's a little strange. I mean, as a as a player, it's got to be it's got to be weird too if you think about. It. I mean, because you feel like not conference play, you're, you know, you're trying to you know kind of figure everything out and then you know kind of find out about your team, get everything settled, and then you kind of gear up for the Big Ten play. You know, you kind of hit into another year, but. Then with the two the two early games you have in the first week of December, it's and it almost makes you wonder if like it's kind of that they're kicking to another gear, and then because you have that and then you're kicking up and then but I mean during the stretch Michigan has I mean they're kind of it's this tough stretch to begin with because as we said you know they ha- they're at North Carolina and then they got the UCLA and Texas coming up in the five game stretch but I mean but then after that it's you know they play like um, Southern Alabama or you know Alabama A and M and you know, they finish non-conference play afterwards, and it's kind of like, you know, you're, just, you're kind of ramp, ratcheting up the intensity and the competitiveness, and you're kind of, you know, you get these two other games against these two non-conference uh, games that are probably not going to be as competitive before you have the, you know, the, the Christmas break, and then you got a uh, big 10 play starting back up. So, I mean, from a player, player perspective, I'm kind of, you know, I think it's maybe a bit strange, I guess, to get used to it, because you have these two big games, and you might not play big 10 games again for three weeks and then it's like you know if you start off bad it's like oh you know you're already in the 0-2 hole before you feel like the big 10 season even really starts so i mean as a fan it might be a, a bit strange obviously if you've been following the big 10 you know having these games this early but for, i think yeah i think it is pretty strange kind of odd but but it's going to be the norm moving forward obviously with uh the big 10 moving from 18 18 conference games to, to 20 now so you're going to have these two early games but then you're also going to have from now on you're going to get the rivalry protected so you're also going to have the uh, michigan michigan state games twice a season instead of just uh once like they have this year well it's good to have michigan basketball back and even though it's early it's good to have big 10 basketball back so it's going to be a fun <laughs> season i think it uh you, you see what's uh happening so far and watch a lot of these young teams in the big 10 every game every night out is going to be tough so i'm looking forward to it our guest has been Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. James, it's great to get you back on the show, and I'm sure we'll have you on many times as the season and the winter progresses. So thank you. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, as I mentioned in the open, we will be previewing the bowl game in coming weeks and thought it would be a good time to start paying attention to hoops right now. So next week, I'll be taking a quick vacation to Gulf Shores to sort of recharge the batteries, but the show will go on. So before I head out, I'm recording a recruiting update with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. There is a lot going on in the recruiting world, and this class looks to be bigger in numbers than we thought it would be earlier. The early signing period is on December 20th, which is a big change this year, so there will be much to talk about. So make sure you join us next week for that. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports.
Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program. Thank you in advance. That will do it for another week. We have an exciting December on the Michigan sports scene with bowl prep, basketball, hockey, and much more. So make sure you join us each week for the latest news on your Michigan Wolverines. And thanks for listening. I'll see you back here next week for our recruiting update with Steve Lorenz. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!